I did some math recently. I now have been a Christian for 56 years and four months. That's a long time to be in the Lord's service, but it's also a lot of opportunities to learn and grow. This occasion tonight is a very auspicious moment, not because I'm here, because this is the end of the pastor's unofficial sabbatical, and this is Graham's very first church service. That is uh, just a really neat thing to, to catalog in our memories, Graham's very first service. Glad to see you healthy and back, Sam. While we're worshiping, I was so appreciative of Micah. I, I don't know if he really understands what he does for us. When he's playing the guitar and it's during our offering, that is one of the most peaceful times of my whole week. Anyway, Micah, I just praise God for the way you lead and in singing. When he's up there singing, he's, just, he's got his heads rolled back, and he just he's in love with the Lord. At 4.30 this afternoon, I gave this message a title. Retained, Contained, Satisfied Faith. I can't spell all those words real well, but I, I wrote some scribbles down that come close to that. I have a supposition to throw at you. Uh, as we read this passage, have some of you memorized it already? Let's just, let's just do a quick caucus. How many of you have this passage already memorized? Just kind of raise your hands. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, presence. Okay. Okay, we see the haves and we see the have-nots. So as we work through all nine of these messages, I believe it says, I'm not a good Greek scholar. When it comes to Marcus and some of you other guys, I failed Greek five times. But here's what I believe it says. The fruit, singular, of the Spirit is love. Colon, here's what love is. These are the components, these are the ingredients of love. And that might help you get a little better handle on this. Uh, Well, I guess we'll talk to Marcus and we'll find out where my Greek scholarship is on this. But when it is singular, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and joy is a key component. The primary Greek word here is chara, and it's where we also get our word charisma. The form also is uh, chiro. It's used sometimes as a greeting. Some of you have been on mission trip and you're in uh, Ecuador and you say, hola, good morning, hello. So they used this same word for joy as a greeting because of their trust and faith in God and him having us in his hands taking care of us. So they just kind of greet one another. Charo, 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 brother. Charo, sweet woman. Charo, friend. And part of the insinuation, we understand the word charisma. If you think of somebody that has charisma, there are some synonyms you put with that. You normally think of somebody that has some energy, some trust, some confidence, and an upbeat person, a person that has charisma. And that's part of what this charo and this Greek word for joy is. The word joy is in the Bible over 170 times in the forms of joy or joyful or joyous. 
And then there's a whole group of other similar applications that take it over 300 times where we have the word rejoice and there's gladness that's there. So apparently God thought we need to be reminded on a pretty regular basis, don't let Satan steal your joy. Don't let life's circumstances. I watched one Sunday morning when I was pastoring an inner city church in Owensboro, Kentucky, and a woman that had been sick in our church for quite some time, I watched her limp in the back door, holding on to each pew, barely making it to the next one. She looked pitiful. I said, Mary, you don't look good. She says, I feel horrible. I said, would you like for me to take you home? She said, I'd rather be in the house of the Lord in pain than home alone. And that's what church means to some of the rest of us and our church family. This gladness, this delight, this sense of well-being that's all part of the Greek definition for the word joy. It's not just being smiley. It's a deep level of contentment and trust and confidence in our future. You know, I'm going to start with the worst verse there is about joy. The one we all hate in the first part of James. Count it all joy. You all get this one memorized? When you face various trials and temptations. Let's caucus on that one. How many of you all just are ready to just embrace that verse? Count it all joy. Let me see your hands. I count it all joy when I'm in the middle of trials and temptations. Zero votes, Gordon. We don't want to go there. But it is a set of our mind because of what God has done for me, because of my future, because of forgiveness, and because of all these other things, I still can have a sense of calm, a sense of trust, and a sense of confidence because I'm in God's hands. Another one of those verses that covered joy is 1 Peter 1.8. They wrote, I don't know if Mike is old enough to know this one, but they wrote a little uh, praise chorus back in the 1980s. And it says, 1 Peter 1.8, Rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Curtis might know this one. He knows a lot of old things. Joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half has never yet been told. That's why we have joy. What we have in the scripture is just a little dip. One drop of all that we have in Christ. All that we have in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When we think in terms of going for an interview for a new job, you always want to know what are the benefits that go with this job. Do I get any paid vacation? Do I get any paid holidays? Uh, What are the fringe benefits of this job? One of the fringe benefits of being a mature Christian is a constant joy, contentment, and trust in our Heavenly Father. That's one of the benefits. In 1 John 1, 4, it says, We write to you that your joy may be full. You know, they tell the story about John that when he was, you know, he was the last of the disciples to be alive. 
All the rest of them were martyred. He was on the island of Patmos. And they brought him back, and they were having him teach them what was it like with Jesus. They would carry him out and set him on the beach in this natural amphitheater that was around the edge of the beach where John was living then. The people would gather, and John would tell them, love one another. He sat there and said, pray and think about that. Well, the next Sunday, they carry him down to the beach. Tell us some more about Jesus. He says, Jesus taught us to love one another. After about four Sundays, they said, Brother, have you got anything else to tell us about Jesus? He says, you don't have that one yet. When we understand how much God loves us, his plan and this sovereign will that's there, it gives us a peace and a level of contentment that we cannot help but have this consistent, stable, dependable joy and trust in our Savior. In Romans 14, 17, it says, Have peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. They all fit together. Acts 15, 3. It says, The church spoke and it caused great joy unto all the brethren. This was at the commissioning of Paul and Barnabas. They are to go back to Jerusalem and tell of all the great things that took place with the Holy Spirit reaching out to the Gentiles. And it gave great joy to all the brethren to send Paul and Barnabas back to Jerusalem. In John 16, 20, it says, Your sorrow will be turned to joy. Now, there's a tall order right there. We're talking about not just any kind of sorrow. This is grief. When you've lost your spouse, your partner, you've buried a child, when you can take and it says the Holy Spirit will turn your sorrow to joy. That's a promise. That's an affirmation given us in the Scripture to put into perspective our lives. Kids today before the age of 16, we'll have 10,000 hours of television. You add to that 10,000 hours of games. How are they going to learn anything about the real world? Television's imaginary. Y'all remember that? TJ, it's imaginary. This is pretend stuff that's on TV. Real life is being in the hands of a loving dependable Savior. It says you can have your sorrow turned to joy. Luke one forty four is one of those that most of you remember. Elizabeth, when she is pregnant with John the Baptist, says the baby in her womb leaped for joy at the news that Mary was pregnant with Jesus. Matthew 13.44 for joy, therefore, go and sell and buy this field. You remember the rest of this story about the man found the pearl of great price and says, go sell everything you have? Part of it is our joy is rooted in the eureka moment that says, I have found what the world is really about. I found the key to living. It's being forgiven because of Jesus paying 
for my sins on the cross. To say, I found it. I have to get really simple in some of my theology. I thought we maybe ought to caucus on that one. Anybody else need to get simple in their theology? Uh, I go back and talk about salvation and Jesus paying for us. It's like going to Kroger's. You get the cart loaded up with the ham and the turkey and all the fixing for Thanksgiving, and you walk right out the door and it's already paid for. That's part of my theology. All my sins, past, present, and future, are already paid for. That's 1 Peter 3.18. That's not Gordon in the book of Oblivion. 1 Peter 3.18. All my past... All my present and all of my future, Jesus already paid for on the cross. Why shouldn't I have joy and contentment and peace and gladness in my heart when I know those things? So what's the application for us? We should go all out because we're all in. My salvation is once. It's done. And yet it is ongoing. It has not shown itself in completion or I wouldn't be here. When I am dancing on the streets of gold or walking on the crystal sea, now that's when the completion of my salvation will have arrived. When I'm in heaven singing with the angels, looking at the streets of gold, and I want to walk with Jesus and Peter on the crystal sea. How about if we name some of the reasons why we have confidence in our future? Let's have some dialogue on that. You guys have read a lot of scripture. Why do you have confidence in your future in Jesus' hands? The scripture, the scripture book, you will not be snatched, you cannot. If I'm in Jesus in God's hands, think about that old all say advertisement. You're in good hands with all say. If I'm in God's hands, covered in the protecting, forgiven blood of Jesus, wrapped in the Holy Spirit, who can get through that? Who can get to me? Nobody. Not Satan, none of the demons, none of the liars, none of the wicked people, none of the evil people. They cannot get through all of that. What other reasons do we have for our confidence? <laughs> okay. Okay. She says you don't need any other reason. Yeah, Jesus has got you. It's finished. Trust and believe. There are just opportunity after opportunity in the scripture just to lock it down and ka-ching. Yes, uh, the fist pump on all these kinds of things that are going on that we have affirmations of. What would it be like to talk to Moses, to talk to Luke, to talk to Abraham? Abraham, what was it like when you were up on The things that are waiting on the other side for us with this new glorified body. No tears, no cancer, no suffering, no pain. That's reason for real joy, real trust. Who do you want to talk to?
Yeah, we're not just in the final four. We are the winners. The scripture says we are the champions. When you are forgiven at the point of your salvation, it is a ka-ching, locked down deal. I'm in. I'm a winner. The world may say, from your teacher, you're not very good at math. Yes, Gordon, your Greek skills are pitiful. But God says to me, Gordon, you're a winner. You're in the champion's circle, the gold crown, the Super Bowl ring, the mansion. We can go on and on about the reasons we have to trust in Christ. How about the advocacy of the Holy Spirit? I have legal, spiritual counsel available to me 24-7, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. I've got the Holy Spirit ready to speak on my behalf, to encourage me to lock down what I should say, not say. 24-7, I've got the Holy Spirit. What a deal. By way of invitation, I will be untraditional in Fairdale. I was taught in my seminary career... Stand up, speak up, shut up. We're almost finished. I recently went with my granddaughter to the Bernheim Forest. How many of y'all have been there? You know that big stone thing? I forget how much they commissioned that fellow to make. We've got this big uh, concave-looking stone here. And 50 yards away is another stone ring. I don't know if you understand how that thing works. Somebody told me that the angles are absolutely perfect for one person to speak into that big carved rock and somebody else stand in the ring and they can hear you on the other side. Well, I sent my granddaughter up to go stand in the ring. So I'm speaking into the stone. I said, Leah, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? She said, yeah, I hear you, Grandpa. I whispered, Leah, I'm giving you $150 for Christmas. (gasps) Ah, Thank you, Grandpa. Thank you. When you master the concept of joy being available to you in every set of circumstances, it magnifies all of your witness, all of your testimony, all of the maturity in your spiritual life. Erlene does not always like all of my examples. I try to go through the back door and in the window to go back and get it. When you understand this joy, it magnifies all of your spirituality. A doorbell works on 24 volts, not very much electricity. It's enough to make the little bell go ding-a-ling-a-ling or bing-bong. When you grasp the fruit of the Spirit-filled life, we're not running on 24 volts anymore. We're running on 443-phase. Big stuff. Ring big bells. Loud noises. Lots of power. Explosive power. The fruit of the Spirit is love. 
How can we be more loving? How can we appropriate inside our spirit this constant joy? So regardless of the kind of wind that's blowing on you, you have peace, contentment, trust, and confidence. One Sunday, Arlene and I came home from church, and I smelled something funny in the house. Have you ever done that kind of investigation? You're walking around, <laughs> you head for the laundry baskets, you head for you know, the sweaty sweat socks and the things, and I finally tracked it down to the kitchen. It was not the wastebasket. <laughs> and finally I found it. Underneath our kitchen sink, we had a bag of potatoes. All of the potatoes were good except one green, furry, slushy, snotty, nasty mess. This joy that magnifies, it flushes out something in your life that's causing a stink and a rot in God's eyes. So to go back and say, I want, I need, it's available to me to have this kind of joy all the time. Even though there were 27 other potatoes that were fine in that bag, there was one green, furry, slimy potato. When you get a hold of joy, it gets rid of the stinky potatoes, the sin in our lives. So I invite you this evening as we get ready to have an invitation. If you need somebody to pray for you, You've got something holding back your confidence and trust in God. I'm going to ask a couple people to come up here and be with me, that you might have somebody different to pray with. I'm not asking them in advance, but I trust Austin and Garth that you guys, if, when we have our invitation, if you need somebody to pray for you, you've got something that's been bogging you down, something that's been worrying you, somewhere in your life where Satan has planted a stinky, rotty tomato that's robbing you of your joy, You'll have three of us up here to come pray with. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't have a chance for this kind of joy. If you don't have Jesus, this is a time to come down and say, I want this kind of trust and confidence that you're talking about that comes from having a fruit of the Spirit in my life. Somebody might be here this evening. You can just say, Satan's been whipping on me. I've been losing the battle. I need somebody to pray with me for a victory in some area of my life. Let's bow together. God, you are an awesome God. We want so much to have this fruit in our lives, this sweetness, this beautiful aroma for those that find joy and contentment elusive. Let this be the night of their breakthrough, this new level of trust and confidence. And let them find a new freedom in their spirit where you're in control. And circumstances do not dictate our frame of mind. But a loving, forgiving, magnificent God do. Now we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.